Good morning, church. In the year 2002, my friend Dr. Richard Ramesh from Dallas Seminary invited me to speak in a reconciliation conference in Mozambique, a country next to South Africa. I spoke in English and I had uh, someone who was interpreting for me in Portuguese. And so when I introduced myself, I said, my name is Foster. I am married to one wife, and we have four children. And my interpreter didn't listen correctly. He said, I'm married to four wives, and you have one child. <laughs> well, I'm married to one wife. It's Salome. And the Lord has blessed us with uh, four children. Two are married, and two are still single. And we are blessed with two grandchildren. In fact, last Sunday, that's when Abby, our granddaughter, was born. And so it's really a privilege to have a family that loves the Lord. Well, I want to appreciate the leadership, Pastor JP, Pastor Brian, and all the leadership for inviting me to visit this church and spend some time learning from you, connecting. It's really a privilege for me. This morning, I want to share um, from the passage that our sister read for us, and I will also add one more scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It's good we read it before I speak. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. I pray that uh, you will give us an obedient heart so that we may receive your word with joy and apply it in our lives for our transformation and the furthering of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, Paul in Philippians, where our sister read for us, is urging Yodia and Cynthia to live in harmony in the Lord, to be reconciled. It seems that the two sisters had some conflict, some disagreement. And Paul is even urging the church not to sit, but to help these two sisters. I've been involved in the Ministry of Reconciliation for the last 24 years. And I want to tell you, friends, reconciliation is not an easy task. Because people can put masks. They say they have reconciled, but really there is nothing that has taken place in their hearts. True reconciliation takes place when a miracle has been performed in the hearts of those in common. And this miracle is forgiven. It's forgiveness. Because there is power in forgiveness. Forgiveness is actually a liberating power. And it is a liberating power not just for the victim, but also for the offender. 
I like uh, this passage because Paul does not even mention who was uh, the victim and who was the offender. They both needed this miracle, whether offender or victim, so that they could be liberated. The topic on forgiveness is a passion for me for three reasons that I want to share with you very briefly. Number one, I can truly speak that the forgiveness is liberating power because I was liberated when my sins were forgiven at the cross of Jesus. That's why this morning I can tell you that truly forgiveness is liberating power. Let me share with you how my sins got forgiven. I was born in a family of eight children. My parents didn't know the Lord. In fact, my dad was priest to the ancestors. He used to sacrifice to ancestors. I was the seventh child, and for reasons I don't know, my dad had chosen me to be his heir in sacrificing to ancestors. So time to time, my dad would slaughter a goat, and I was the one to lay hands upon it before the goat was killed. Then my dad would slaughter the goat, and we would roast some meat and put some in small huts behind our main house. And so I and some other young boys would see when dad was not around, we would sneak in the huts and eat the meat. And when my dad would come and find the meat gone, he would call me and say, son, come and see, the ancestors have eaten the meat. <laughs> so we would, I would keep quiet so that he doesn't beat me up. And that continued. But time came when my dad got sick. I remember my mom called other priests. They slaughtered a big bull. And despite that, my dad passed away. That was a paradigm shift in the life of my mom. My mom began to question all this issue of sacrificing to answers. As my mom was going through these philosophical questions, Baptist missionaries came to the village. They preached the gospel. And my mom understood that it's not the ancestors who are between man and God, but Jesus Christ. And my mom surrendered her life to Christ. That is the woman who raised me up. I went to church every Sunday. I went to a Baptist primary school, a Baptist secondary school, teaching the word of God. I was good at verses and the Bible. But that does not translate into my day-to-day -day life. When I was a teenager, I decided to sing. Guys, my bass was amazing. <laughs> but still, that was an intellectual exercise. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Time came, I said, well, it's cool to be baptized. I went through the teaching. On the day of baptism, that was December 19, 1978. The preacher spoke from 2 Corinthians 5.17. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything is new. That day, I examined my life and found that although I was going to be baptized into war, I was still an old creation. I asked God to forgive my sins. And I put my faith in him. I got saved. My sins were forgiven. 
I was liberated. And liberated indeed. Praise the Lord. And that's why I can say that forgiveness is a liberating power. Because I was forgiven. And I was liberated. And I became free and free indeed. The second story that uh, makes forgiveness my passion is about my mom who was victim and she decided to forgive. As I told you, my mom came to receive Christ through these Baptist missionaries. And within one year, her faith had grown tremendously. But after one year, my mom went through trials because four of us were given poison by people who hated my family. It was myself, my young brother, my older brother who was engaged, and my older sister who was also engaged. We all got sick, and we took herb medicine, and only me would throw out. So what happened is that on a Monday, my young brother passed away. On Wednesday of the same week, my older brother passed away. I didn't see their barrier because I was down too. And on Friday of the same week, my older sister passed away. God gave me grace to see the barrier of my sister. I vividly remember my mom, very tired, with red eyes. She hadn't slept for all those days. Very weak. She went to that the place where my sister was to be buried. And she told the elders, I want to say something. Generally speaking, women in Africa do not be at the funeral. But because my dad was no longer, and my mom had lost her three children the same week, the elders allowed her to speak. She said, I know those who have killed my children, and I she knew them, and I have a solution for them. Everybody came closer to hear that solution. They thought my mom was going to say, I want to send Vanda to kill them or whatever. But my mom said, last year I accepted Jesus Christ who died on the cross where I was to die. And Jesus forgave my sins. And my mom said, for the sake of Christ, I forgive those who have killed my children. People said, hmm, she's out of her mind. Let's continue the work. I tell you, it was difficult for mom. It was no defense mechanism. My mom had purpose in her life to forgive those who had killed her three children. My mom went to the Lord two years ago. She was 93 years old. But my mom lived a life of legacy in matters of forgiveness and reconciliation. Every time I would go visit my mom, she had two messages. Son, I don't know those countries you go and visit, but remember that God spared your life for a purpose. And my mom would look at me and say, son, always um, forgive. Always forgive. And she would tell me, son, you need to keep serving the Lord and serving the Lord. My mom is my hero when I speak about someone who is victim being liberated because of forgiveness. And so forgiveness is a liberating power even for the victim. 
And finally, forgiveness has liberating power even for the offender. I want to tell you that uh, for the last 24 years that I have been involved in reconciliation, the Lord has blessed me to help my people from Rwanda who went through the genocide and lost many, many people. When the genocide took place in April 1994 in Rwanda, my family was in Kigali, the capital city of Rwanda. Within 100 days, 800,000 people were killed. It was a time of spiritual warfare that I've never experienced. My family spent 26 days hidden under the bed, barely moving up for fear of being killed. And I had to wrestle with God and say, God, what's happening? At that time, it was reported that 82% of Rwandans were believed. But how could people kill each other? Well, the church had done converts, not disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, without going into details, God spared my family's life in two ways. Number one, I had a dream, and God told me, Foster, you either leave this place or you die. I shared it with my wife, and we prayed for confirmation. The following day, God sent someone who told me, Foster, you are still here? Something worse is going to happen here. We had to move up. It was more dangerous to walk, but God protected us. When we were about to reach a roadblock that was controlled by the militia, where they could kill it, God sent a military vehicle. During the war, only military vehicle uh, can, can, can go. And so there was a woman in the army who was a major. I didn't know that woman. She stopped the car and said, stop. This man, I know him. He's a pastor. I was a pastor. He preached the gospel and I was there. When did I preach? I don't know. But God used this woman to save our lives. And after the genocide, I was involved in the ministry of reconciliation and I want to tell you that I've talked to many people who were in jail, in prison, because they had killed others and who had begged the government to go back to the village to ask for forgiveness for their own healing. Before I left Africa, I went to Rwanda and I talked to my friend who works with a ministry called Pilgrim Center for Reconciliation, a ministry which was begun by someone, Arthur and Molly Rauner from Minnesota. And that guy was telling me that more people in prison are seeking permission to go to the village so that they may ask for forgiveness. Because forgiveness is a liberating power even for the offender. Let me go to the lessons that we can learn from the two passages that we've read. Two epistles that were written by Paul, Ephesians and Philippians. You know, Paul is speaking to believers, friends. People were saved by grace, washed by the blood of Jesus. Well, 
I want to assure you that we will always conflict among, have conflicts among ourselves. In fact, if conflicts are well managed, they can be transformative. So we always have conflict. The problem is how do we deal with the conflicts? Number two, it's interesting that um, the verb that is used in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, actually has the same root as joy and, and, and grace. And it's very interesting. And I want to tell you that unless we forgive each other, we cannot experience the true joy of Jesus Christ. But also, forgiveness is grace. There's no one who can push the other one. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's grace. It's grace. It's giving a gift to someone who does not deserve it. It's grace. When you forgive someone, you don't give condition. You are giving a gift that that person does not deserve. Just the way God gave us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Without me and you, friends, deserving it. But also the verb in chapter 4, verse 32 in Ephesians is in a continuous, process, a continuous form, which means we are called to forgive and forgive and forgive. In fact, for a disciple of Jesus Christ, forgiveness should be a habit. And for those of you who are married, do you understand? My wife and I have been married for the last 32 years. I don't think without a, this continuous form of forgiving, Salome and I would have lived together until today. <laughs> I'm always going back to her and ask for forgiveness and tomorrow again and tomorrow again and tomorrow again. Forgiveness should be a habit for us uh, Christians. But also, our model of forgiveness is found in the way God forgave us. God forgave us before we even asked any forgiveness. And forgiveness is unconditional. We should not pause. It's a gift that we give to, to, to some. But also, forgiveness is not for, for, for forgetting. Like people say, oh, for, for, forgive and forget. No, it doesn't arise the, the, the mind. My mom would. Remember those who killed her children until she died. But she had let it go. She had peace. She did not keep the anger and bitterness. She had let it go. And friends, forgiveness is a must for every believer. Because if we don't forgive those who have offended us, just the way Pastor J.P. led us into the Lord's Prayer, then our Heavenly Father will not forgive us our sins neither. And uh, the way we read from Philippians chapter 4, those then who have forgiven each other, they need to reconcile. Reconciliation is about relationship. They need to restore their relationship because a miracle has taken place in their heart. So they have power then to come together and then live together in harmony. And the church, of course, has a role to play to help people to forgive each other, but also to um, reconcile. And if someone refuses to either forgive the other or reconcile, well, we should love that person and keep praying for that person. Friends, the work of forgiveness is the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot force a person to forgive. I've been involved in this ministry. If you force, you don't have any result. 
It's, it's a miracle. It's a surgery that the Holy Spirit... I mean, imagine if you lost 20 relatives. Do you think it's easy to forgive someone who has killed your babies? It's a miracle that the Holy Spirit operates in our lives. So pray for that person. As I finish, let me make three applications. Friends, I lived in the church for many years. I knew the Bible, but uh, I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is not knowing a lot. It's not doing like I was singing, but it's uh, putting our faith in Jesus Christ and asking him to forgive our sin. And when we do that, the result is that uh, we are liberated. And today, if any one of us does not have a personal relationship, Jesus is ready to forgive your sin. Number two, maybe you've been offended, feel that someone has offended you. Let me tell you, if you don't forgive that person, you are actually taking poison, thinking that the poison will kill that other person. But indeed, the poison is killing you. Forgiveness is a liberating power for the victim. Ask God to give you power to forgive someone or those who have offended you. And they will be free and free indeed. And finally, if you have offended others, you have offended someone, please take the boldness to go and ask for forgiveness. For forgiveness is a liberating power for the offender. I love you people and thank you for Give me this opportunity. Forgiveness is a liberating power for both the victim and the offender. God bless you.